0: Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! 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 <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. Liverpool are out of the Champions League after a 0-0 draw at Anfield against Real Madrid. Um, so that's the, really the kind of only place to start. I guess we played quite well in parts, particularly in your first... 20 minutes or so we looked all right but in the end it was just kind of too big an ask wasn't it James?
1: Yeah it was I think you could see it from about the 65th minute onwards the legs had just completely gone and they started to run out of ideas. Um, started off really well like they did you know last season trying to coming out of the traps trying to score two three goals early on try and kill the game off but just a bit of a tale of two halves. The first half is what we expected and the second half was a bit, what we saw against Brighton and Newcastle, those sorts of teams where they just looked yeah. lost for ideas in the final third and just wasn't much running. And it was just, um, it's just a pity really.
2: Yeah. Agreed. I think, um, you know, I think, I think we were hurt by the fact that we just couldn't get a goal early on in the game to give us that momentum and the, and the, the confidence to keep going. Yeah. Um, the performance wasn't bad. Uh, we had our chances. You know, Salah finishes the, the the first chance of a couple minutes into the game. You know, who knows where we go from there? But uh, you know, with a team like Real Madrid and the, the the technical ability they have, you know, being two goals down with 20, 30 odd minutes to go, um, you could see you could see the boys have kind of had it at that point.
0: Yeah, I think that's spot on. Really, there was a lot of big chances, particularly in that first half. Missed. You think that Salah won very very early on? I think within the first five minutes that Courtois saved with his legs. Um, Salah had another chance They put over the bar. Milner had one from the edge of the box where Courtois made another good save. And obviously, I think the biggest glaring one was probably the Alden one, wasn't it, where he gets it played back to him and he can't, can't hit the target. It's kind of the story of our season, isn't it, James, in some way? like. But whereas the narrative has very much been around the centre-backs and the injuries that we've seen there, which is absolutely valid. But at the same time, at the other end of the pitch where you expect us to be so good, It's just not been there for whatever reason. It's not clicked in the key moments. Yeah, 100%. I think the story of the
1: season is if Salah doesn't score, nobody scores. It's just been one of those seasons. Um, The likes of Wijnaldum, his chance, he he snatches at it. He doesn't lift his head up. Um, The Milner chance, it was just a really good save. But there was a few. Um, Firmino had a couple of good chances again, but they just... Can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net. You wouldn't think that two two seasons ago, this was the highest score in front three in Europe. It just looks a shadow of itself. And like I said, if Salah doesn't score, Liverpool look pretty bang average at the moment this season.
2: Yeah, the source, the source of goals is definitely dried up. You know, if it's not Salah, you know, Mane is not really scoring anymore. We're not getting the, the, the set-piece goals that we did last season. Um, Firmino obviously hasn't been firing for for a good amount of time now so it's just there's there's no one to give us that spark anymore and uh, the, you know the midfield we're not getting much much goal production out of there either so like you guys said it really seems like Salah or nothing at this point.
0: What do we put that down to? I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast before and we've kind of spoke about well maybe one reason is because we're missing Van Dijk and Gomez at centre-back you know moving Henderson and Fabinho into those positions we've lacked in midfield but that's obviously changed in recent weeks obviously Henderson's injured but Fabinho has moved back into the midfield and I think it's fair to say you know looking at the Arsenal game and the Aston Villa game and the Red Bull Leipzig games the midfield has kind of looked a little better in my opinion anyway which so if that isn't the problem what is the problem?
1: (laughs) I wish I knew the answer uh, to be honest um Just a bit of a strange one. I think the two full-backs having to stay a little bit deeper because obviously you've got Nat Phillips and Kabak there and, you know, the no Van Dijk and Gomez. So you have to be a little bit more defensively sound. And I think that's just what they try to be. I think you can see it sometimes now where we've got quite a lot of players deep in our own half. We're not pressing high up the pitch anymore. And I just think the... In the back of the head, they know they haven't got a Van Dijk or a Gomez at the back, so they have to be a little bit more cautious. And like he said, against Leipzig, I thought the midfield free of Wijnaldi and Fabinho and Thiago was unbelievable. Um, but then he doesn't play Thiago in these two games. Well, it doesn't start him anyway. It brings him off the bench, which makes you think, why is he not playing him in the big games? That's why you sign him. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just worrying. I think, like I said, just the defensive side of the team, I think they're just being too overcautious.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a difficult one. And like like James said, I wish I knew the answer to solve all the problems. But I think one thing I've noticed is tactically, it doesn't seem like the front three are anywhere near the goal-scoring positions they should be, given what you'd expect from your forward line. You know, it seems like the likes of Mane's always just dragged out too wide. Even Salah a good amount of the time is just too wide, where even when we get in good attacking positions, they're not in a spot where they could go and finish it. Um, you look at the other big clubs in the world, a lot of their finishes are – tap in stuff from inside 10 yards. And it seems very rarely do we have our players right in the thick of the box to, to, you know, latch on to the end of crosses, just finish plays um, because they're being asked to, you know, help with the, with the, with the buildup play so much, you know, there's too many times in my opinion, we see Mane just too far away from the goal um, asking him to create everything. And uh, I think kind of like James said, it's a little bit of a byproduct of the fact that we're not getting the same production out of our fullbacks for various reasons. And then also, um, not necessarily the performance of the midfielders, but maybe their roles. I think a lot of times they're being asked to play deeper, kind of start the play rather than actually uh, being closer to the box and contributing to the, to the actual uh, thick of it all. So uh, it's, it's a difficult one, but I think there's a lot of different variables that probably uh, play their part.
0: Um, and Sadio Mane, like you say, he probably kind of typifies all of those things just in, him, in himself. Last year, he was probably Liverpool's best player alongside Jordan Henderson and Virgil van Dijk, I think it's fair to say. In terms of the attacking three, Mane was kind of the standout in the Premier League winning season. Um, you know, he, he was on the top of his game, one of the best forwards in Europe. Fast forward 12 months and he's, he's gone, I'm not sure how many games it is without a goal, but it's, it's a good while. He's not contributing as much as he should. He's been, in my opinion, trying to force things too much. I think he's kind of aware of his lack of goal scoring in recent weeks and he's making silly, wrong decisions. He's, he's you know, he's, he's he's kind of snatching at chances rather than being composed. He's passing when he should be shooting, shooting when he should be passing. All that kind of, kind of fundamental decision-making isn't there. Is this a bigger problem? Or is it kind of, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent? What do we think? Is this the start of a Mane decline? Or is it just he's in a rut for whatever reason? And... You will get out of it it's just a matter of when that is
1: yeah I don't think it's it's a decline of Sadio Mane I, I don't think you go you project so high and then all of a sudden there's a there's a steep drop I think it's you know usually in a player when they get to the end of the, the powers really you start to see a bit of a steady decline um, but I think this is too much of a drop from for to be classed as a decline I just think it's just a you know just an overall of what's happened this season i don't think there's any outstanding players for us this season i think everybody's levels have dropped but i just think we look at the likes of mané and Firmino more because they've set the standard of scoring the goals starting and you know and being creative around the edge of the box so when they don't score it gets highlighted a little bit more but i think it's fundamentally that the whole squad's just not where it was uh, last season as a whole and i think sometimes mané's a little bit of a scapegoat for it um, but that—that's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, agreeing with James, I don't think it's a—it's a—it's a decline for Mane. It's—it's—it's it's, it's too steep of a decline to expect over at someone still in their twenties. Um, but at the same time, I'm not—I'm not optimistic that we'll ever see the Mane of last season again. Just more because of how high of a level that was, more than anything else. I'm not sure it's—it's it's fair for us to expect something that—that that good again. Um, but I think, I think, like James said, I, I think it's just kind of a byproduct of this season where it doesn't think, it seem like anything will go our way. Um, and he's kind of just the, 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 the picture of the season for Liverpool where just someone who it's not coming off for. Um, and you can tell, you know, it's just his frustration is shown in the way he's playing. You know, he's taking guys on 50 yards from goal um, for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's trying to make things happen that aren't there. Um, he just... Quite frankly, he needs to see the ball hit the back of the net just to just to ease his mind a little. But um, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a permanent decline. But it definitely just a deep a deep hole he needs to dig get, get himself out of.
0: Um, and Firmino is obviously another one who has been well documented. I think this season that he's not been at the level expected from him. I think a lot of fans probably would say they saw this coming last season, then maybe the Premier League win papered over some cracks somewhat. You know, he took wasn't it, he didn't score at Anfield for example, did he? To like the last game of the season, and we know that. Firmino's goal scoring albeit for a number nine it seems odd to say but we know that he's not in the team necessarily for goals he's there to be kind of start the press bring in Mane and Salah you know that he'll run himself into the ground all of those kind of Klopp values is what he's in the team for but I just wonder at the point we are now where all of the front three I think uh, they're I think they're all around the same age 28 29 none of them are going to get better they'll probably all have their best ever seasons already it begs the question not Salah because we know that you know I think Salah's our best attacker and he's still hitting those numbers that you'd expect of him he's still I think you know if he's not top scorer at this moment at the time of recording he's joint top scorer in the the Premier League he's Liverpool's top scorer but with Mane or Firmino do you cash in on one of them this summer seeing as it might be the last opportunity to get really, really big money, particularly for Mane, he's kind of, you know, you're not going to necessarily get massive world record fees for Firmino, but you may do for Mane. Do you cash in on one of them and use that money to go and get a, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get a Kylian Mbappe, but maybe someone like a Jaden Sancho, for instance, who's I younger. Think,
1: yeah, I think if you're going to cash in on one, I think it. I would personally go for Firmino just because I have more faith in Mane discovering his form than what I have in Firmino, because as we spoke about before, you usually see a steady decline in the players' performances and his output. We're seeing that in Firmino. His goals are just dropping season by season by season. And I think if, he has a, if we keep him for another season and he has anything close to what he's had this year, then we'll be lucky to get a reasonable amount of money for him next summer, So I think he's probably the one to sell. And another reason I think for that is because I think Jota's a ready-made replacement for him. Yes, he doesn't press as aggressively as what Firmino does, but he still leads the line when he plays as the central striker. And from what we've seen of him this season, I think before recently he had 19 goals in 19 league starts for club and country. So I think you've already got the ready-made replacement for Firmino. So I think that's who I'd be more inclined to sell.
2: I'll preface by saying I'd be extremely surprised if either of them gets sold this summer, unless one of them, you know, decides they want to leave and starts, you know, publicly saying so. Um, But I agree with James. I think if there is one, it'd be Firmino. Um, But to be totally honest, I, I don't feel like either should be sold at this point, given the seasons they've had where I don't think their transfer value will be high enough to warrant it especially when you consider how you know how integrated they are in the team at this point and what that would do to the chemistry of the team um and the only reason i could honestly in my head justify selling one of them is if that money is going to be used for say an mbappe like for me i don't i don't see any value in selling money and bringing sancho in the other way Um, so i think if it's something where uh they knew that we could get mbappe in return with that money i i would look into it but uh Otherwise, no, because I just think, you know, they're both in the middle of maybe their worst seasons in the past, you know, probably in their their times at Liverpool for both of them. So I don't I don't see it necessarily as the time to capitalize, despite the fact that maybe age wise, this would be uh, the time that makes the most sense.
0: So if if they both stay, as I, I agree, I think they both will. Even so, I think it's fair to say that this is going to be a big summer for Liverpool in terms of transfers, both coming into the club and leaving the club. Does last night's performance in such a big game, Champions League Quartz Final, it's kind of season's almost riding on it really in terms of silverware anyway, because now we're out of that. We, we can't win a trophy this, this season. Does this performance indicate even more so if Klopp and FSG didn't know it already, that an, some kind of refresh in the attack of the squad is required this summer? Maybe not in a massive kind of overhaul way where you sell one of the stars, but it needs to start a new cycle now.
1: Yeah, I think if they didn't see it last night, then I don't know when they're going to see it. I mean, if we're bringing the likes of Shakirian, and I do have a soft spot for Oxley chamberlain I don't know what it is. I think it's just the nostalgia from that first season. If you're bringing them on, and Real Madrid are bringing the likes of Isco on and Rodrigo, and you're chasing a goal, and they're bringing that quality on, and that's who we've got to come off the bench. Then I think it's stirring them right in the face. I think once you brought Jotter on, that was it. There was nobody else. You couldn't look at that Liverpool bench last night and go, "They're going to come on and change this game and score the goals." There was, there was no one. Um, and I think we definitely need that. Look at City this season. You know, they haven't even had Aguero, and look how they've got many plays. Yeah. They've got to come off the bench. You know, the likes of Mares, Foden um Ferran Torres and plays like that, so I think if if you jot the best option you've got coming off the bench in a big game like that, then you just need to heavily invest in in the forward line of the team
2: yeah, I mean I think it's been obvious for a couple of seasons now the fact that we survived it prior to this season is is beyond me um you know we've been we've been I think we've been very fortunate that our front three have largely been, uh, able to avoid injuries over the years. And I think that's almost given FSG an excuse to, uh, to not, you know, invest out to outside in, 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 replacements and backups, um, you know, because they could point to their goal scoring form and the fact they were never getting injured. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious at this point and not necessarily just a striker per se, but maybe someone that's linking up the attack, something like what maybe some of us would have liked Shakiri to have done last night when he came off the bench, um, to, to kind of find the, the, the link between the attack and the midfield. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's at this point, it's, if, you, if it's not obvious enough, then it's, it's really just a money thing at this point, because I don't think you can make any argument that uh, the, the attack is as is.
0: And in terms of last night, James has kind of alluded to it already. I think the biggest kind of surprise for Liverpool fans looking at the team as it was announced last night, particularly given what we saw in Madrid last week, was that Thiago, again started on the bench, and this time, instead it wasn't Naby Keita, but it was James Milner starting in a Champions League quarterfinal at, what was he, 34, 35 years old? I think we all have got a soft spot for James Milner. He's had a fantastic career, both at Liverpool and, and prior to Liverpool, but at this point in his career, I don't think he should be starting Champions League quarterfinals for a team that are trying to score at least two goals. I think it was a very bizarre team selection from Klopp, um he did play quite well to, to be fair to him but are you surprised you surprised james that he's, he's gone with milner instead of tiago and if if so do you think that had any kind of bearing on on the result
1: i couldn't believe it when i saw the lineup and i saw number 7 james milner in that midfield three um i i just thought because he, he it looked like he realized he made a mistake last week in madrid when he brought tiago on after 43 minutes i think it was so you sort of think to yourself, well, he's not surely he's not going to make that mistake again. If he if he thinks he's made one last week, then he obviously he's going to start him this week. But I just don't know what you've, Thiago's got to do to start in such a big game when he's you know we won the Champions League last year with Bayern Munich. You know, so he's probably the only midfielder we've got that can pass a ball through the lines that can break down these low block teams. And I was really surprised, but. Like, like he said, Luke, he did play quite well, James Milner. I thought, especially first half, he was probably the best of the midfield three. Um, the way he was running into tackles and in his energy. I think maybe that's why he's brought him on, to try and get Madrid tired from his pressing in the midfield. Because we all know what what an engine he's got on him for 35. He can run around for days. But yeah. I'm still scratching my head now about it really and I do think it had an impact because by the time Thiago came on the tie's already over by time because you've got to try and score two goals in 25 minutes against a Madrid team that were just sitting deeper and deeper and deeper so yeah I definitely think it had an impact on the result.
2: Yeah I couldn't agree more I I was shocked to not see him to see Thiago on 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 the team sheet and Seeing Milner's name on it, I had to double-take and think, are we wait, are, are we defending a two-goal lead right now, or are we trying to catch up by two goals? You know, Milner's great for certain things. He's the perfect, you know, 75th-minute sub when, you, when you're up a goal or two and are trying to defend a lead. But, uh, you know, to try to come back from a two-goal deficit against a team that's won multiple Champions Leagues to, to start Milner was a little, not a little, just very rash. And given, you know, I don't, I don't know what Thiago has to do to, to get his spot in the team. Um it was a big surprise not to see him start the first game. And like you said, James, I thought, you know, Klopp would learn his mistake from then on. You know, when you make a first half substitution, I think that's kind of conceding a mistake. But then he didn't play on the weekend either against uh against Aston Villa. And I thought for sure, you know, they were just gonna rest him, keep his legs fresh for the Champions League game, and they haven't played him again uh uh yesterday. So I I don't know. I I, I don't have any justification for it. I don't think it's like an attitude thing with him. I, I just I I struggle to come up with a legitimate reason as to why Tiago wouldn't start in a game like that.
0: Yeah, it's very odd. I thought personally, I could s- kind of see the logic in the first game a little bit before beforehand because I thought, you know, Thiago's not necessarily someone who is gonna start the press. He's not gonna be someone who's gonna be going be getting in your face, really. Uh, you know, quick transitions and all of the- all of those things that have kind of been leveled at him in terms of criticism recently. That. You know he kind of slows things down a little bit and I thought before the game, before the first the first game that the game would be won in the midfield and if Liverpool could pass the ball quickly on the turnover and on the transition to get it into the front three, that could really hurt Madrid. Um which is why I thought I could kind of see the logic of Kaiter being in there. Obviously it didn't work out and you know he had to come on in the first half. So I thought for sure he was easy he was gonna he was gonna start last night, particularly when you know you're going to have a lot of the ball because Madrid don't need to come out and score. So you know that, you're, that the impetus is on you to go out and get the goals. And they're going to be sitting deeper inevitably when they're defending a lead. So Thiago seems to me like the perfect player. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. It feels strange because you bring in a player of his ability, one of probably the few you know, world-class players in that, in that position and then you don't play him in the biggest game of the season. So it, it's very odd. Defensively, we did we did quite well, I think, last night, but that's probably not too surprising, given that Madrid, like I said, didn't need to come and score. But I thought Phillips and Quebec were fine, as I think most fans would say, l- largely, they have been all season. They've done, over than maybe one or two examples, they've been pretty good. But there's been some talk that, Liverpool may have to choose between Ozan Kabak staying after his loan from Schalke ends, or spending the money on Kanate from RB Leipzig. If you're making that decision, James, what would you do? Would you, if it is a straight choice between those two, would you stick with Kabak because you think he's cheaper and you know he's already had a six months in the team, or would you go with Kanate presumably because you think he's the better player of the two?
1: If you'd asked me this in January, I'd have said, Canate, I'm still going to go with Canate, but he's making it a very tough decision now, Kabak, because I thought last night, I thought he was sublime. I thought that passing he made for Mane, that created the Salah chance. I mean, that's that's something we've been watching Van Dijk do for the last three seasons, that kind of pass to to split, to go over the midfield and try and you know, get past that low block. Um but yeah, like I said, I, I have been impressed with him. Every game, he impresses me more and more. I think he's growing into the shirt a lot more and seems a little bit more vocal on the pitch alongside Nat Phillips. I think sometimes when yeah. the camera, especially if the camera's on him, he's telling Nat Phillips where to go. He's saying, come on, you've got to push with me. Stay in line with me. So I, I do think it's a lot, a much harder decision than what it was back in January. But I think for the club to get where they want to go back to, I think they're going to have to sign a potential superstar like Kanate.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a similar boat as James, where if you would have asked me a couple months ago, it would have been a very easy answer for me. Um, but I'm actually now going to choose Kabakken for this reason. At this point, Liverpool are in a situation where the reason we need a centre-back largely is because of the injuries to the ones that we currently have. And although Kanate's injury history isn't extensive, we've seen him get injured on multiple occasions a season. Um, and while I think uh, Kanate's ceiling is higher, I think he could become the much better defender than Kabak. His floor is also much lower. I think we're just taking a lot more of a risk with Kanate than we would be with Kabak, considering now that Kabak's been here, really kind of thrown into the deep end from the beginning, uh, not really getting a chance to you know to learn uh, the system and his and his teammates and everything has shown that he's quite good. You know, and, and definitely under under uh, in ideal circumstances where he doesn't have any of his ideal center back partners. Um, Allison was out for a while. Um, but despite all that, he's shown that he's, you know, performed quite well, and that's something that uh, can be built on. You know, we, we, we have more guarantees, I guess, with Kabak. And I think, I guess the question really becomes, is, does the center back that we want to buy this summer, do we want him to be the number two? Do we want him to be the guy beside Virgil van Dijk, or do we just want more of someone who can rotate in alongside Joe Gomez when one of them's injured or anything like that? Um, because I think maybe if we want someone that's more, that's got a higher ceiling, and can be, uh, you know, that that number two person beside uh, beside Van Dyke, because we don't have quite the same trust that we do in Gomez because of his performance and potentially his injuries, then maybe Kanate. But otherwise, I would personally go with Kabak at this point.
0: It'll be very interesting to see what happens in the summer. Personally, I didn't think it would necessarily be a straight choice between them when the Kanate links first came out. I thought. Joel Matip may move on given his age and injury record. He might be someone Liverpool could potentially look at moving on. But at the same time, I think this season, in terms of the injuries of Van Dijk, Gomez, and Matip, even though Matip has quite an extensive injury record and Gomez has had high-profile injuries in the past, it's kind of it's a freak season, right? Like three centre-backs getting injured for the entire season—that doesn't happen often. That I can't remember that ever happening before to any team. So you probably maybe you only do need to sign one one player. So it's difficult because the fee that's being bandied about for Canate doesn't seem unreasonable. In fact, it seems pretty cheap for a potential, you know, could be potentially a world-class player for 10, 15 years, given his age. And he's highly thought of across Europe. So it's really a difficult one. I think I'd probably go with Canate as well. I've had to choose between the two. But I think I would quite like quite like both of them. And maybe Matip, Matip goes, which is hard to say because Matip I think is really, really underrated, but availability is the best ability and his availability is lacking more often than not. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Final point before we move on to looking ahead to the next fixture is there's been some chatter on social media um, that Klopp is perhaps a bit too loyal to certain players. Starting James Milner in this game could be an indication of that. Um I think a lot of people would point to Jeannie Vine Aldam. Jeannie Vinealdum's future has been talked about a lot this season. It's still uncertain in April. And you know, we've only got a month or so of the season left. We may be seeing his final months in the Liverpool shirt, yet he still is consistently one of the first names on the team sheet, captain in the team in the absence of of other players. understand there's obviously a leadership kind of committee within the squad and the players chose Wijnaldum to be that role. But do you think there's some kind of truth in that, guys? Because we know that Klopp's a sentimental character. We know that he can be very emotionally driven when we see him on the touchline and when we see him given interviews. Do we think that this is, as well as being a really good strength because it makes him a fantastic man-manager, it can be a bit of a weakness as well?
1: yeah I think I think it's the Alden one that probably echoes that the most where you know his contract runs out in June he's still not said where he's going you know we're in April now he's still not said whether he's staying whether he's going and he's got the captain's armband in a Champions League quarterfinal must win game after Milner goes off I I did find it very strange but I I don't think it's so much having his favourites I think he's trying to work out who he needs to get rid of and I think the only way he's going to see that is on the pitch so I think now he he probably knows he probably don't need Wijnaldum as much because of his performances the last couple of months and trying to see if Firmino's got anything left in the tank in big games I just think he's these players have got Liverpool and Klopp to to where they have been over the last couple of seasons and I think he's just trying to say go and prove to everyone that you can still do it that nothing's going to change that the season is there's still something to fight for this season and I just think it's been the usual players that have let him down this season
0: so next up for Liverpool is obviously another massive game in the hunt for the top four places away to Leeds United at Ellen Road Um, I guess at this stage guys every game's a big game in terms of getting back in the top four what do we expect from this clash on Monday night James
1: well I'm hoping we don't have to a similar game to the opening day of the season, four three. <laughs> I don't think my nerves will be able to take it, <laughs> trying to get top four yeah, scraping yeah. for yes, you know, trying to get four three wins. Um I'm expecting a, a very open game actually. I think the way that Leeds play. Um and the you know, the expansive way that they play, you know, with the full backs and the wingers pushing on and how they like to link up. I think that'll leave spaces in for us in certain areas of midfield and perhaps down the flank. So I'm expecting a really, really open game for the between the two sides, and you know, you look at the way Leeds have played this season. Very rarely do you see a one-goal game or a one-one draw. It's you know, there's always quite a few goals in there because yes, they are good going forward, but you know, by going pushing on forward and all their energy, they do seem to leave gaps at the back. Which hopefully, you know, Salah can score a few goals because nobody else is going to at the moment.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Strangely enough, I think this might be you know, knock on what a better fixture for us than the likes of a of a Brighton or a West Brom or anything like that because, you know, they're not inclined to defend. Um, uh, Bielsa has always been one to kind of play his style regardless of who the opponent is, and I think that will leave gaps. Um, so hopefully that'll that'll open up some opportunities for us. You know, I don't think – I don't see this as a game that's, you know, the 70% possession for Liverpool with, you know, two shots on target, hopefully – um, so, yeah, it should be really open. But with that being said, uh, you know, they also have the players that can that can expose us in the back line. So, so we'll see. I, I think I've heard recently that apparently Rafinha has picked up an injury, which is uh, a big let-off for Liverpool. So, so we'll see.
0: In some ways, do you think a game against, like Ahmed, alludes to their lead style could suit Liverpool? And therefore, we joke about Salah, being the only, Salah and Draft to be the only one scoring goals, but it could actually be a good game to kickstart the likes of Mane and Firmino getting among the goals again?
1: Yeah, I think it could be. I think if you look at our performances this season, the best performances we've had, all the best results we've had, have come against teams who, who like to have a go at you as well. You know, West Ham um, and Arsenal and, and, and teams like that. We've When we can play our style of football and when we can dictate the play how we want to, um, or if the opponent falls into our trap, that's when we seem to play the best football. The likes of, like you said, Brighton, West Brom, Burnley teams like that, who will sit back. It's it's just been our Achilles' heel this season. So I I am a little bit more confident going into the Leeds game than if I was Burnley away, for example, or, or a team like that.
2: Yeah, agreed. I, I you know we've we've struggled to break down teams that are, are willing to accept that we're probably more of a superior side to them. They're just gonna you know sit in a low block, and the Leeds aren't the one to do that. Um, and like you, like you guys alluded to with the games like Arsenal and the West Hams and the teams that, uh, you know, are going at us and giving us space to, to you know, to, to operate in and then to, to find gaps in the defense. That's probably the best way to do it rather than, you know, having Mani and Firmino 40 yards from goal trying to trying to break down a defense with multiple lines. So, yeah, I mean, if there is a game that hopefully they would break out of their funk in, it would be this one, I would think. And
0: looking a little bit kind of deeper at the team, particularly in the last couple of fixtures, Allison seems to have been not quite his old self. There's a couple of mistakes, you know, the Ollie Watkins goal against Philly You think he should do better with the Vinicius um, second goal in Madrid? You, you probably bet on him to save that more often than not. There's been a couple of these moments recently. Obviously, the biggest one is the less, Leic- you know, against Leicester away. He made quite a glaring mistake. Is something should we be worried about something there, or is it you know just the nature of it again being a weird season, a backfall that he's not used to, and we shouldn't really make anything more of it?
1: Well, since he's walked into the club with Van Dijk in front of him, he's very rarely had any shots coming at him, um, so it is a, probably a bit of a shock for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think everything's just being highlighted about Liverpool a little bit more this season, but obviously the decline from last. On the, winning the title last season. I think everything's just getting highlighted by, you know, the media and fans, especially on social media. Um, still think, you know, you look at the save last night against Vinicius Junior, and then the way he gets up and then takes the ball off Benzema, he's still a top-draw goalkeeper. Um, but, yeah, I think because of the struggles that are going on this season, as soon as anything goes past him, um, you know, the... You know, you do start to hear murmurs about him maybe not being as good as what he has been. But then also, keepers are going to make a mistake every now and then because if they didn't, no one would ever score against you. So, you know, there are going to be some goals that go in. And if these were going in last season when we were twenty-eight points clear in Manchester City, no one was no, no one would say anything. But because of where we are, I think everything's just being highlighted a little bit. I'd say, you know, completely unrealistically. Yeah,
2: I, and you know, I think specifically with the, with at that position, the goalkeeper position, it's you know, I, having you know confidence, and I guess uh, you know, I just your general swagger in your position is is important at any position, but especially the goalkeeper position, where you might only touch the ball meaningfully three times the entire game, um, and you know, if the if the, the the morale is down in the team, things aren't going your way, those are the times that you know the ball slip under your hands, things like that. So I think. I think it is fair to say that a lot of his more recent struggles could be attributed to, you know, the, the injuries and just the overall mood in the squad. Um, you know, because you think you think a couple of years ago around this time when we were playing Tottenham in the Champions League final, uh, he made seven, eight, nine saves that just were brimming with confidence because of the morale in the team. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, especially with a guy like Van Dyke, you know, just having that security blanket in front of you. Um, It's almost like a, like a, you know, I know you've got me, but if anything gets past you, I'll I'll have your back too. So I think, you know, there's not the same connection with obviously Phillips and Kabak. So um, I'm not worried long-term about it. I I think it's, it's, you know, just a kind of a microcosm again of, of everything that's kind of been Liverpool this season. And
0: in terms of the opposition, we, we know what, Le- what we're going to get from Leeds. We're going to get, they're going to run it here. They're going to attack, as we saw from the first game of the season, very much that they're not going to change. is not going to change his philosophy, whoever they're playing against. They're coming in off the back of a good win against Man City. Um, as Ahmed says earlier, Rafinha isn't going to be available for this one. But for me, I think he's probably been one of their standout players this season, particularly in attacking sense, alongside, obviously, Patrick Bamford. There has been some kind of tentative links about him being linked with Liverpool. Brazilian kind of creative flair player would be very exciting coming into the club. Do we think there's anything in that? And if so, would we welcome it? Um, I think there was,
1: ever since he's gone to Leeds, there's been talk that Liverpool have been monitoring monitoring him for for a while. Um, I think he's taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. I think he's played really well. Um, He's probably been, him and Patrick Bamford have, really seems to strike up a bit of a partnership going forward for Leeds this season. And if anything good comes in from that Leeds midfield, it, it does tend to come from him. I think he's at the right age, is what Liverpool have been signing these these key players, to key positions. He's around about the early to mid-20s, which is obviously the point we signed Mane, Salah and Firmino. So I think if you're going into another season um, with uncertainty, obviously we don't know when crowds, etc. are going to be f- at full capacity... I think having a player who's already familiar with the Premier League is probably the safer option than maybe going to a, another league and trying to bring a player role because we've seen it with the likes of Havertz and Werner this season where, especially with no crowds in the stadium, they haven't really taken to the Premier League as well. And going off this season, I'd hate for Liverpool to start making signings that sort of add to the problems that we've already got.
2: Yeah, no, I mean he's he's a wild card on the field. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Saint Maximin last season for Newcastle when he first joined, where he's a guy you can just give the ball and he'll just make something happen. He'll make a play out of nothing, um, which is a lot of what we've been missing this year. People who can make you know make uh, something happen out of relatively uh, insignificant situations. Um, I I don't uh, I don't envision Liverpool actually signing him because you know he was signed for a pretty hefty fee by Leeds. i i I honestly don't remember i'm gonna say somewhere around 20 million 25 million um and obviously his 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 reputation's only exponentially grown in this year in the premier league um so i i I don't see liverpool getting him at any sort of discount i don't see anything under 40 million if they were to go after him and you know unfortunately we know uh that fsg are not always the ones to just you know spend and spend. They're always kind of pinching their pennies, looking for value deals. Um so I don't I don't foresee it, but I I, I do believe the rumors in the sense that we are monitoring them. And if for whatever reason leads were to kind of uh be more willing to sell at a lower price, which which the other thing is I don't I don't I don't think leads are in a position where they feel like they need to sell him I he seems relatively happy there. And they're also a team that definitely can make the case that they're they're on an upward trend and could be for European places next year. So I don't feel like they feel inclined to sell necessarily. So I think it might be difficult to get a deal through the door, but uh, I guess we'll see.
0: And looking at the Premier League table, obviously Liverpool are currently three points off the top four places. West Ham currently occupying that that fourth spot. In recent weeks, it does seem like, while we're obviously still nowhere near the team that won the league last season, there does seem to be some kind of signs that we're, on the right tracks in terms of the way we've been playing, um, the Villa game I think was quite welcome in the sense that we went down one 0 at half time. We had another terrible, in my opinion, kind of ridiculous VAR decision go against us. The chips were down. We've seen this kind of happen multiple times since the term of the year, but this time we did book the trend and we did, you know, score two and get a late winner. Do we feel a bit more optimistic now about our top four chances than we may have done, say, three or four months ago?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think if you look at the likes of Leicester, who I think have slipping back down into this race for the top four now, they've got to play City, Chelsea and United in their last three games of the season. So I think if we can get within two, three points of them with three games to go and make them nervous, then I think there's a there's another another space for us to get in. Um, especially, like you, you said then, Luke, with the, the grittiness at the, the end of the Aston Villa game. It's a bit reminiscent of the season when we came second to Manchester City, where we were scoring you know, quite a lot of late goals, winning games 1-0 with a late goal or a penalty to win 2-1, etc. So you just do wonder, wh- where's that fighting spirit been this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in a good position because at, at this point, I think we control our own destiny. Um, you know, we're in a situation now where with, seven, seven games remaining. I believe it. If, if we win, go on to win six of them, maybe six, six wins and even a loss or a tie. I, I, you would think at this point we would, that would be good enough to get us into the top four, especially given what James said with, with Lester kind of dropping down into the, into the fold with all these teams. Um, you know, I think Chelsea is obviously a big threat as our Lester, but Lester have the, the difficult schedule and West Ham, despite how good they've been this season, which I won't downplay, you know, it's, it's a question of, can they really do it? Can they really win games back to back to back to seal the, their top four spot, which I'm, I'm not personally overly sure they can. Um, so I think Liverpool really are in a position right now where if we don't get top four, it's, it's at the point where we can only point to ourselves because I think we're in a position now with a, a reason, a reasonable schedule. Um, we still have United left, I know, um, but you know, no, we don't, we don't have the schedule of say Leicester or um, some of the other teams. So, it really is in our hands at this point. So it's a matter of just, you know, keeping the performances coming and besides just the performances, actually getting the results that justify the performances.
0: Well, fingers crossed that we get a positive result on Monday and it kind of gives us some more momentum going forward. Now, just before we end the show with our big question of the week, just to mention that all our thoughts are obviously with the families of the Hillsborough disaster, which happened 32 years ago this week, where 96 Liverpool fans lost their lives. Um, Needless to say, it's a very poignant, Time of year for the club. So, all our thoughts with the families who lost loved ones on that awful day. Um, And as usual, we'll finish now with our big question of the week where I put to the guys a question from the world of football that is not Liverpool related, just to get their thoughts really. And this week we're concentrating on Harry Kane, the England and Tottenham captain. Um, There's been talk this week that if Tottenham don't get Champions League football, which is looking more and more likely every result that goes by and they're currently in seventh place and just below Liverpool but their performances would suggest they will miss out on top four this season that Harry Kane will ask to leave Spurs Um, is this the right decision for him and if so where do we think he may end up in the summer I think it is the right decision for him to go I think
1: the season seasons under Pochettino is probably the closest he's ever going to get to winning a trophy at Tottenham. I know they've got to play City in the League Cup final but I don't think anyone's looking at that one to say "Oh, Tottenham are favourites to win the League Cup so yes he's going to have score all these goals um, but he's going to have nothing to show for it at least no, Alan Shearer did win a Premier League medal so he would have that over him and it is a shame for him really because his goal scoring record and the type of player he is. He does deserve to be winning trophies every season, but that's not how football works. Um, If he's going to go anywhere this summer, I think there's always been talk of Real Madrid, but I think the financial state they're in at the moment, I think they're going to have to sell quite a few players to at least even think about bringing him in. Um, But I think the one that probably makes the most sense is PSG. Obviously, he's going to be linked back up with Pochettino, I think he'd walk straight in as a number one striker, and he's guaranteed trophies there every season, and he's guaranteed to sort of get it to the latter stages of the Champions League. Which I think a player of Harry Kane's caliber and his ability, you know, he definitely deserves to be playing in one of Europe's elite
2: clubs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of seems very similar to to the position Gerard was in, you know, fifteen odd years ago, where it's a question of you know, do you leave knowing that you could go to a place where you're. Almost surely going to win more trophies and compete, you know, for Champions Leagues, um, or you know, are you tied down to the place that you, you know, to the team that you've played for for the majority of your career? Um, I don't get the feeling that Harry Kane is as tied down to Tottenham as you know, say, Gerrard was to Liverpool. Um, so for that reason, I think it, it probably is time to move on. You know, it's it seems like Harry Kane is you know, has been along. He's kind of young and old at the same time. Like, he's been scoring in the Premier League for so long, yet it doesn't seem like that long ago where he was, you know, a 21-year-old who had just broken into the team. But I think age, age-wise, you know, this is the time to move on. As far as where, um, I hate to say it, I think Man United make a lot of sense to me. Um, they, they've been on the rise. and they wanted, You know, maybe that last piece they need is just a, a clinical striker uh, to kind of finish the, the plays started by, you know, the likes of Bruno and Pogba. Um, so I think that would make the most sense. And I think they, it it would, it would definitely be something United would be willing to spend the money on because, you know, obviously they need the striker and they, they want to be able to say that they've, um, kind of grown out of the, 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 the big slump they had been in for several years after Ferguson retired. Um, and they've always kind of had a, had a, had an underpinning for signing, you know, big name English players. So I think United are the one that make the most sense to me.
0: Yeah, and I think the big thing is as well. It's people will say, "Oh, it will mean more to you if you win one trophy at Tottenham than win twenty-five trophies at PSG or Man United or Real Madrid." But I think the thing with Kane is, even if Spurs beat City and they win the League Cup um, in a couple of weeks' time, ending the career of one League Cup, and in your career, sorry, with one League Cup, it's not for a player of his caliber he needs he wants to be winning the best trophy. it's not about winning a trophy or a league cup or an fa cup here or there i think it's about winning the biggest trophies in the game and obviously that's the premier league if he stays in england or the champions league They were kind of the two you know the main 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 trophies i see the psg link with Poch. i don't know if he'd necessarily want to go there because just given the status of the French league, isn't you know it's not as, nowhere near as competitive, for example, as, as England or even you know the Spanish the Spanish league. Um, if he ends his career with ten French league titles, is he really going to be satisfied with that? I feel, I feel like he'd want to win the Premier League. Um, and I agree with Ahmed. I think the only thing, the only team in England that makes sense at this moment in time is Man United or perhaps even City. City are going to... They need a striker. It's, it's, you know, very well documented with Aguero going. They're only left with Gabriel Jesus. Um, So I wonder if if City will go for him. But at the same time, I think they may want that spot for Haaland down the line. So it'll be interesting to see. I guess the question, guys, before we go, it comes down to what do you value as a good career? So, for example... Lots of kids dream of being a professional footballer, so for many of us, just playing, you know, five minutes of a professional game would be amazing. For him, he's obviously at a very at a certain level, but would he be satisfied, for example, to know that he's the top scorer in the Premier League history, and that you know he 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 would prefer that over going to PSG or going to a different league and win a load of trophies? Like, how does how do you think he would measure success? Do you think he'd measure success in medals or Individual accolades?
1: I think think that's a good point, actually. I think, um, like you said, every kid has the dream of of playing football. Um, It could be any type of, you know, any level. You know, it could be in League Two, League One, Championship. I think, you know, that's what you dream about growing up as a kid. But I think the older you get, the expectation of yourself and others watching you just goes higher and higher and higher. And I think with Harry Kane, is his goals deserve. And is, I mean, the way he's adapted to the Mourinho system and he's dropped deeper and the way he's linking up with Son and plays around him, he's elevated his game, I think, to, to another level. Um, but with the goal-scoring accolade that you said, that could get broken again. So obviously Alan Shearer thought that, what everyone thought with Alan Shearer's record, that that'll never get broken because no one's going to stay in the Premier League long enough. But in 15, 20 years' time, Harry Kane's record could get broke, but no one can take away from him all the medals that he's got. So I think it's a tough one. But I think going back to what you and Ahmed said as well about the likes of Gerard when you know he said, I'd rather win one trophy with Liverpool than six trophies. And with Chelsea, it was at the time. I think it's different for Harry Kane because Gerard had already won trophies. He'd already had a Champions League, UEFA Cup multiple FA Cups, multiple League Cups. Harry Kane, at this moment in time, has got an Audi Super Cup (laughs) preseason tournament. That's all he's got at the moment. So I understand the whole, if you love the club, that one trophy will mean the world to you. But when that one trophy is just this, then I think it's it's right to move on. And I think that's what it will come down to.
2: Yeah, no, that's spot on. Uh, I think you... You can use the Gerrard as an analogy, but it's definitely not a like-for-like like replacement there. And that's why I think he ultimately will leave. And uh, in regards to, you know, whether he would prefer the personal accolades or the, or the trophies, you know, I think Harry Kane's the type of person who don't who doesn't see them as mutually exclusive. He thinks he can go to a club like United or a city and still break the Premier League, Premier League records, but win titles alongside them. And that's ultimately why I think he will you know, make the move because he's at the point in his career where, you know, he can look at the, at the Tottenham board and say, OK, listen, I've given you guys multiple chances to get new players, to make the team better. And we're ultimately not really even close to winning any major trophy right now. You know, they don't look like they're going to be competing for the Premier League or Champions League anytime soon. Um, so I, I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts in a transfer request this summer. I really wouldn't.
0: We'll have to wait and see on that. But until then, guys, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having us again.
0: Yeah, Thanks, boys. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Anfield Central podcast. Until then, you can keep up with all the latest Liverpool goings-on online at anfieldcentral.co.uk and on our Twitter page, which is Anfield underscore Central. You can also go back and listen if you want to all of our other podcasts, although I wouldn't recommend it the results haven't been brilliant, um, on Acast or Apple Pods. Until next week, see you next time.